Hello, and welcome to the Confluence Podcast. I'm Colin Fogarty, Executive Director of Confluence, a donor-supported nonprofit that connects people to place through art and education. This podcast is about the confluences of history, cultures, and ecology that define the Columbia River system. In 2007, I was a radio reporter for Oregon Public Broadcasting when the 50th anniversary of the Dalles Dam came along. The dam flooded Celilo Falls, the center of culture and commerce for Northwest tribes from time immemorial. To commemorate the event, I produced a half-hour documentary on what happened to Celilo Falls and what it means for us today. Here is part two of that program, with special thanks to Oregon Public Broadcasting. This is Oregon Territory. I'm Colin Fogarty. 1957 was a heady time for dam engineers, But for Portland television station KGW, the opening of the Dalles Dam also represented a historic broadcast. KGW producer Paul Kenny unearthed a copy of the live program, which was anchored by Channel 8's Tom Dargan. The water you are looking at is the mighty Columbia River. It is rushing towards the sea at a rate of 48 million gallons per minute. In exactly 29 minutes and 45 seconds, man will say, and the waters were divided. And for the first time ever, the Columbia River will be completely stopped, diverted, to activate the colossus that will be the second largest hydroelectric power producer in the world, the Dalles Dam. 29 minutes later, the gates closed. 15 seconds to down gates. The count-off to zero will begin in just a moment. This is it. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5... Four, three, two, one, down gate. And it's happening. It took just a few minutes for the massive slabs of metal to begin slowing down the water. There you can see the Columbia thrashing to continue the course which nature and God gave her apparently slapping against the barricades, striving to continue what she must, in her way, consider the only way home. As the afternoon wore on, the water rose slowly and steadily. Eddie Edmo watched and listened to the last moments of Celilo Falls from a nearby train bridge. That sound was there. I can't describe the sound. It's just a sound all of its own, you know. You could hear that sound kind of go away, pretty much just flat, you know. Nothing, anything, some water going by. It just disappeared. Yeah, it just disappeared, you know. And it was an awesome feeling, and I said, gee, now you look back then, you never knew it was here, you know. Karen Jim Whitford was just five years old then, but she remembers the story her mother told about that day. She said that the village mourned She said it was really eerie. It was a very eerie time. She said you could hear nothing but cries. Nobody talking, just people crying. Silent, no words spoken, just cries. The people that loved Celilo, they were robbed. Karen Jim Whitford's brother, Ronald Jim, wasn't around that day but he knew what he saw in the people around him. 
lot of my elder elders that lived in the village, they were themselves the mark. They were just wandering around like didn't what to do. Chief Johnny Jackson was 26 years old at the time, just back from the Army, and got a job on the railroad. He stayed close to home so he could fish the Columbia River as his ancestors did. But on that March day 50 years ago, Jackson lit out. I just got on my car and I left because I didn't want to be here to hear the falls silenced and see the water cover them rocks. I went up to, I went down toward Portland, went on up the coastway up and turned around and stayed up there overnight. I come back next day and there was a pool here. I had to, I didn't even go to work, I just left again. That's how bad I felt about the loss of the falls. And today, I still miss it. Because today I watch people argue over fish. In those days, we never had to, nobody had to argue over it. Because everybody could go down and catch fish. And it was like a big, I used to look at it and I thought about it afterwards, it was like one of the big seven, seven wonders of the world. Historian Katrina Barber's book, Death of Celilo Falls, says Chief Tommy Thompson was living in a rest home in Hood River by the time the Dalles Dam was completed. Newspaper reports at the time say he never looked at the dam. Two years later, he died. His funeral attracted a 1,000 people, so big that Tom McCall came to Celilo Village to document the funeral. Before McCall was governor of Oregon, he was a reporter and commentator for KGW. The documentary was called Farewell at Celilo. McCall's premise was that the death of the chief and the flooding of the falls marked the end of an era. This was his country, the world linking today with yesterday, where Chief Tommy Cuny Thompson of the YAMs breathed first life 105 years ago, where he rose to respected stature in the eyes of white and Indians alike, and where his remains were committed to the sandy soil last Thursday. The old ways are the best ways for my people, he used to say. And of all the old ways... <laughs> Thus ends our paying of respects to a leader and to a way of life gone together to the hereafter of the Columbia River Inlet. Today, the same federal agency that flooded Celilo Falls is rebuilding Celilo Village at a cost of $15 million. The Army Corps of Engineers built this village back in the 1950s to house people displaced by the Dalles Dam, but many of those houses are uninhabitable now. One of the houses set to be demolished is one where Lana Jack grew up. She never heard Celilo Falls. It's, it's a tremendous loss. I've had to live with it. We've gone from prosperity to poverty. There was an immense joy to be from this place. Pride. 
When I was growing up, I was ashamed. I didn't want nobody to know that I was from Celilo because I was a dirty Indian. I want to see what happens in this 50th year commemoration, go back to that place of what our Celilo YM people were about. Tribal leaders expect that 50-year commemoration to attract 5,000 people to Celilo Village. Much of it is being organized by Bobby Begay. He's known as the big man at Celilo Village. We're memorializing, remembering our loss and coming together, bringing our elders back home, and us younger ones. We fully will never know what they, what it felt like in our hearts to lose what they lost. We'll never see in our eyes what, what they got to see. And we'll never hear that roar, the sounds of the falls that they got to hear. Begay has investigated the idea of maybe hearing that roar again. The rocks that created the falls are still there under the water. They could be filled with silt, but maybe, just maybe, if all the floodgates were opened, the falls could come back, at least for a day or so. The falls was never blasted out, so it's our belief that they should be able to lower the water and the falls would, would reappear. But the Corps of Engineers is skeptical that would work. The agency says even if all the gates of the Dalles Dam were opened, it would not likely make the river low enough to expose the rocks. But the technicalities are beside the point. Begay says none of the tribal elders want it to happen. For us young people, it would, it would be nice to see, you know, because we never got to see that part of the river. But to our elders, it's like a, a tease to them. It hurt in their hearts, and they cried when you could no longer hear the echo of the falls. And to dewater that and bring it back for one day is be painful for them. Why make them cry and why make them lose something twice? Though that sound won't come back, it remains in the memories of those who heard it, like Wilbur Slotkish. That's a sound that's indescribable. I, I guess it's maybe 20 times louder than a train going by if you lived right next to a track. But it was comfort and it was uh, a sound that can never be replaced. A few years ago, I went to Shoshone Falls on my way to someplace, and I stopped there at Shoshone Falls, and I c could hear that sound. It wasn't as loud as this one, but I stayed there for a couple hours just listening to it because it brought it back, you know, the sound and back into my heart, and missing that sound those of that falling water. After hearing comments like this over and over, I spent weeks searching for the sound of Celilo Falls. The very name Celilo YM means the sound of water echoing off the rocks. But no one seemed to have an audio recording of the falls. I checked with the Oregon Historical Society, the state archives, the four Columbia River tribes, two cultural centers along the river, the University of Oregon Archives, the Dalles Public Library, the Army Corps of Engineers, the Bonneville Power Administration, the Columbia River Intertribal Fish Commission. None of them had the sound of Celilo Falls. In fact, many of the tribal members who were born after 1957 say they've never heard the sound. 
They've seen lots of photographs and stunning film, which you can see now on our website, opbnews.org, but the film is silent. I had just about given up my search when I got an email from Rachel Edwards. She's the librarian for the Nez Perce tribe in Idaho. Edwards sent an email with a link to Google Video. It's an old film reel from the Depression-era Civilian Conservation Corps. It's about the history of Native Americans and claims to have the first film of Celilo Falls. Seen for the first time, the Columbia River in these later days is as interesting Most as of the sound is just this music and narration. But perhaps the producers of this film were enamored with that roar of the falls, too. Because for exactly 13 seconds, they let that sound stand alone. Stephen Vaughn Cray is our sound engineer. Nick Fisher is our web video editor. You can see silent film of Celilo Falls on our website, opbnews.org, where you'll also find a photo gallery of Celilo Village today by our producer, Pete Springer. Thanks to KGW for searching their archives. Thanks also to Charles Hudson at the Columbia River Intertribal Fish Commission. I'm Colin Fogarty, and that's Oregon Territory for Friday, March 9th, 2007.